Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from Autumn Barnes with the Canola Council of Canada. And up first in today's country comment, we'll get an update on Manitoba's strawberry crop. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us on the program today is Ken Lucko of Monumento Berry Farm in Monumento, Manitoba, to give us an update on the strawberry crop. This is our seventh year, and we uh, love growing things, so we thought we'd try growing strawberries. So we just started out with a little tiny patch, and we're, we're just up to two acres. We're not a big grower, but uh, we have a U-pick and a pre-pick operation. So far here this year, how's the crop looking? Well, it started out looking good, and then we had two days of uh, very heavy frost down to minus 7, and it really took a toll on the plants. The uh, uh, the, the early buds of flowers froze, which is the kingberry, which is your biggest uh, uh, fruit of the year, and then uh, the plants were actually wilted, but we did a little fertilizing on them and and, and got them back, and they're looking actually very, very good right now. What's the uh, the moisture situation in your area there? Uh, we were extremely dry. We've been dry last summer and fall, and but in the last two weeks we got three inches of rain, which has really uh, brought the uh, berries along very well. But we could use another rain now. It'd be just an inch of rain would just be perfect right now. Any insect issues or uh, not more any more than normal? Uh, we we have the tarnished plant bug, which is uh, an issue with strawberry growers. Uh, which uh, deforms the flower, which in turn deforms the fruit. So that's something that has to be taken care of, but nothing other than that right now. And uh, when would you expect the the crop would be uh, ready for picking? In the first week of July. Talk a little bit about, um, I guess, COVID procedures. What do you guys have planned for that? So last year we had COVID guidelines that were developed by uh, uh, Department of Agriculture as well as the Prairie Fruit Growers Association. Uh, they're reviewing those again right now, but we expect to see the same thing as last year where we try to social distance people in the fields. People are, are able to pick themselves, and then do you guys also uh, pre-pick as well? or? Yes, we do. Anything else that uh, you wanted to highlight? or? Sure. It's, uh, it's a really interesting uh, line of work. Uh, the, you know, the, the few weeks of the season, that is all, we have a very short season, but... Uh, it's interesting to see the interaction of people. Some people just come to the uh, come and pick every year and meet just once a year for that purpose. You have grandparents bringing their kids to pick or their grandchildren to pick, uh, you know, and uh, it's really a, it's, it's a social event as well. What, what kind of area do you draw from? Uh, there doesn't seem to be much of a limit. We have people coming from over 100 kilometers away. It's just as you develop your clientele and if they seem to like a particular operation they'll go there just for information if people go to the prairie fruit growers website all the farms are listed there and it shows their locations and their hours of operation you can and then you can go to their their sites and actually book by appointment so it's a helpful tool for people that was ken lucko of monumento berry farm located in monumento manitoba Look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. On Friday, the federal government announced investments of over $4 million in 16 projects that will help support Indigenous food systems initiatives. The money will provide equitable access to healthy food and increased participation of underrepresented groups in the agriculture and agri-food sector. Here's Minister of Indigenous Services, Mark Miller. 
As part of the Strategic Partnership Initiative Program, the Indigenous Agriculture and Food Systems Initiative aims to increase and support economic development opportunities for Indigenous communities and entrepreneurs. Under this partnership, Indigenous Services Canada is contributing $1.5 million through the Strategic Partners Initiative, and Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada is contributing $2.6 million through the Agri-Diversity Program, an initiative under the Canadian Agricultural Partnership. According to Statistics Canada in 2016, 15,765 people in Canada's agricultural population identified as Indigenous. And Manitoba farmers have seen a flush of weeds arrive. Kim Brown Livingston is the province's weed specialist. We have definitely seen a flush of weeds coming since that rain. I'm really hoping that we've got really good uh, crop competition now, now that the, the crops have really jumped since the rain as well. So hopefully those crops will stay ahead of those weeds and kind of, you know, shade them out and, and that type of thing. And competition will be, uh, we're, we're going to have to rely on competition to go after some of those weeds that have just emerged. That was a look at today's Farm News. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, June 21st. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from Autumn Barnes with the Canola Council of Canada. Today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler focuses in on canola as she talks with Canola Council of Canada agronomy specialist Autumn Barnes. Let's start by talking about the crop. Uh, based on what you're seeing, you're on the road a lot checking things out. How is the canola crop looking out there? Pretty variable. Um, in my territory in the southwest prairies, uh, there's some areas that are, are pretty dry and, and looking for some more moisture. But, um, you know, all in all, I'd say we have uh, we have pretty good potential here. Um, I, I just came off of walking some really nice fields, so I'm feeling really optimistic. But I know there are, you know, some areas where we're, where we're needing moisture. In, in my territory specifically, um, it seems like we didn't have much or as much uh, those as we've had in the past few years. So that's been really helpful. We've also had some pretty extremely hot days uh, and some pretty extreme winds. So the seedlings are, have not had have not gone without challenges. But I think I think we're pushing through. And you know, if we can get some rain in the next week here, then then we should be pretty happy. Flea beetles have definitely been an issue in some areas. Definitely, yeah. And, and they're kind of this pest but you, that you actually need to be out in every field walking and get beyond the headlands. Um, they'll often be worse around headlands, in ditches, things like that. And so, um, so getting out and scouting beyond that is important. Also important to note is um, around mid-June, so where we are now, is about when the adults that have overwintered die. So... So in the spring, um, the adults will emerge hungry. They'll start feeding on canola as soon as, as, soon as they can, as soon as the crop comes up. Um, they mate, they lay eggs, and then in mid-June, they die. So um, if you're starting to see some, you know, some damage, but you're not quite at threshold, we're mid-June, you might just be able to you know, profit off of their natural death uh, rather than, than spraying an insecticide to kill them. That brings up a very good point. We really want to encourage producers to get out in the canola field, in all fields really, get out there, walk the fields, do those plant counts. Yes, absolutely. So it might not be the most uh, technically challenging job in the world, but if, uh, if you've got kids with you or you just want to you know, get, get out and actually go out and do a proper assessment, 
it's really important to go walk a field, get a good a good understanding of, of plant density. So how many plants on average are there per square foot or per square meter? Um, and then with your thousand seed weight and your seeding rate, you can calculate your emergence uh, from that. So so definitely um, going and doing a plant establishment assessment, going out counting plants is really important, but also understanding you know, um, this is a great time to see, you know, stripes in the field if you had issues with your openers. Maybe you, you were going running a little hot with your seed-placed fertilizer. Um, you know, maybe there were some issues with some root rot, frost. There's been, uh, you know, a few challenges this year to choose from. So it's a good, a good chance to really critically assess management decisions and, and hopefully try and do better for next year or give yourself a pat on the back, um, you know, if, if you've done everything right and you're hitting good weather this year. And, of course, we've got the plant count tool online now. Yeah, you bet. So what we're, we're really hoping that, that people pr- participate a lot in this. We're actually getting a lot of numbers come in this week, which is exciting. But we started a new project this year called Canola Counts. And what we're doing is crowdsourcing plant establishment data. So when you're out in the field doing your assessments, if you go to canolacounts.ca, um, you can either enter the legal land location or it can auto-locate for you. Um, enter your email address and then you can enter your plant density. And if you have your thousand seed weight and your seeding rate with you, it will actually calculate emergence for you right there. Um, and then it'll email you the results. So you can share that with your clients or your farming partners. Um, and then in July, once we have all of our numbers finalized, we're actually going to build maps out of them. So kind of think like, the insect forecast map, how they're sort of contoured maps with different colors, and we'll be able to map uh, plant density and emergence across the prairie. So to do this well, we need a bulk amount of data. So we're really asking growers to take the 60 seconds, um, or agronomist, 60 seconds when you're in the field to quickly punch those numbers in um, to canolacounts.ca. If there's concerns about privacy um, and, and sharing data, we are blurring um, all of the individual fields to townships, so we're not going to be tracking anybody's field specifically or anything like that. We don't even save that information. Um, but we do want to be able to get sort of a contoured idea of what emergence and plant density look like across the prairies in different areas. And once again, what is that site? CanolaCounts.ca. You can also find it through the Canola Calculator site, but CanolaCounts.ca is probably the easiest way to go. And then, Autumn, just a a final question while I have you here. We were talking about some flea beetle issues that producers have been dealing with. Any other insect or disease concerns out there that we should let producers know about? Yeah, so really kind of depends on where you are. I mean, cutworms were sort of at the tail end, although I just got off the phone with an agronomist who said he was finding some some glassy cutworms this this late in the season, which is surprising. Um, but really, you know, we're sort of getting, depending on where you are, um, you, you could be thinking about a black leg fungicide, but I think most areas of the prairies are kind of pushing back that, uh, or pushing past that stage where you might get some benefit out of it if you, if you decided to use a fungicide for black leg. As the crop progresses, you know, in my territory, I actually saw a few fields that looked like they were thinking about starting to bolt today. Um, we're going to be starting to think about cabbage seed pod weevil pretty soon. Um, and so as the first flowers start to come out, then, then definitely that's when the sleep nets need to be out. Um, and we'll be looking for those. And then, of course, as we come into flower, we're going to be thinking about sclerotinia and ligus bugs. And we'll get into bursas. There's always exciting things to look at in, in canola fields. 
There certainly is. I've been talking with Autumn Barnes. Autumn is an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Egg Wire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Egg Wire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Egg in Motion invites you to join an online session entitled Getting On With Growing Vigilance in Crop Care, June 23rd at 9 a.m. Registration details can be found on the Egg in Motion website. And Farm Credit Canada is offering a free online workshop entitled The Modern Family Farm Transition. That'll take place July 13th. Go to the FCC website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon. On Friday, the federal government announced investments of over $4 million in 16 projects that will help support Indigenous food systems initiatives. The money will provide equitable access to healthy food and increase participation of underrepresented groups in the agriculture and agri-food sector. Here's Minister of Indigenous Services, Mark Miller. The past year and the past few weeks in particular have been hard on People across Canada, especially Indigenous peoples, we're all facing hard truths about Canada's history, about its present, and about Indigenous peoples' experience with racism and ongoing inequities that persist to this day. For Indigenous peoples, the pandemic has exacerbated many of those inequities, from food security to housing to health care. Our government is committed to addressing those inequities, closing gaps, and ensuring the health, well-being, and prosperity of Indigenous peoples. Today's announcement will help to get us closer to that goal by supporting Indigenous-led agricultural projects across the country. Indigenous farmers, communities, and agri-food entrepreneurs have a strong partner in the government of Canada. We recognize all of you as leaders in building and growing opportunities from farming, community gardens, traditional foods, and agri-entrepreneurs. Indigenous peoples were the first agricultural innovators and have a unique connection to the land that continues today. The history of agriculture goes back centuries long before the arrival of people like me, and we are still learning from that knowledge today. Over the past 25 years, the participation of Indigenous peoples in the agriculture and agri-food sector has increased by over 20%. It reflects the importance and interest in agricultural opportunities for Indigenous partners. I know how hard your work to create opportunities bolster food security and lift your communities up, but I've also heard you, when you talk about the challenges that face you, for far too long, your peoples have faced systemic barriers when it comes to starting and growing a business. In the spirit and respect of that partnership, our government continues to make investments and help create equal opportunities for Indigenous peoples in the agriculture sector. Today, we're taking an important step in making that stronger, more equal future a reality. Our government has committed $4 million to 16 projects to support Indigenous communities and entrepreneurs who are ready to launch agriculture and food systems projects and others who want to build their capacity to participate in the sector. We'll be hearing about three of these projects from our honored guests in just a couple minutes. As part of the Strategic Partnership Initiative Program, the Indigenous Agriculture and Food Systems Initiative aims to increase and support economic development opportunities for Indigenous communities and entrepreneurs. Under this partnership, Indigenous Services Canada is contributing $1.5 million through the Strategic Partners Initiative and Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada is contributing $2.6 million through the Agri-Diversity Program. 
an initiative under the Canadian Agricultural Partnership. Over the past years, we've supported other projects, including those by the, the Indian Agricultural Program in Ontario, the Native Women's Association of Canada, the Guimengong Development Commission, and the Northern Farm Training Institute in Yukon. For example, the, pro the program has helped First Nations communities in Manitoba purchase tractors to build the vegetable gardens and to nourish and feed the communities. The projects we are funding today build on other initiatives to meet the essential needs of First Nations and Métis Nation communities, including the Emergency Food Security Fund, which supports local food banks and organizations, the Local Food Infrastructure Fund, which has strengthened food security in communities across Canada, the Nutrition North Canada program to make nutritious food more affordable, accessible in the far north, and the Harvesters Support Grant, which increases access to traditional foods by reducing the high costs associated with traditional hunting and harvesting. Through the last budget and budget 2021, the government announced an additional $140 million to help emergency hunger relief associations, preventing hunger, strengthening food securities in our communities, and providing nutritious foods across Canada. The $4 million over 16 projects, which we are announcing today, is another step in that direction, but we know that there is much work to do. That was Minister of Indigenous Services, Mark Miller. On Friday, the federal government announced investments of over $4 million in 16 projects that will help support Indigenous food systems initiatives. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Farmers are closely monitoring weeds at this point in the season. Kim Brown Livingston is the province's weed specialist. The last few years anyways, we see a lot of issues with wild buckwheat and lamb's quarters. I think those are just getting away on us early in the spring. They're harder to get once they get big. Something like wild buckwheat, once it gets past a couple of leaves and it starts to get all viney on you, it is tough to get. And lamb's quarters puts on pairs of leaves very, very early. When it's small, you can have a six-leaf lamb's quarters that's only a couple of inches tall. Especially this year with the dry conditions, it was very slow. She notes farmers have seen a flush of weeds arrive following the rain earlier this month. And on Friday, Minister of Indigenous Services Mark Miller announced investments of over $4 million in 16 projects that will help support Indigenous food systems initiatives. The money will provide equitable access to healthy food and increase participation of underrepresented groups in the agriculture and agri-food sector. Here's Chief Cadmus DeLorem of 4C Farms in Saskatchewan. Cows has received $922,000, and with that, Cows is now able to move our 1,500-acre farm operation to 4,500-acres farm operation. We also currently oversee 150 Black Angus, and this investment is going to be able for us to increase our Angus production. These projects, announced through the Indigenous Agriculture and Food Systems Initiative and the Agri-Diversity Program, build on previous federal support of $2.1 million. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have another edition of The Bean Report. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.